Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Primal Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, and anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Mark Sisson. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host today, Mark Sisson. Uh, coming to you from the podcast studios in Malibu, where every day is awesome. And today I'm joined by none other than Elle Russ. You, most of you know Elle because she's the hostess with the mostess of most of the Primal Blueprint podcasts. But we thought it would be awesome for us to get together and talk about her book and her area of expertise. Her book is The Paleothyroid Solution. It, uh, it got to number one in four different categories on Amazon when it first came out. I'm proud to to tell everyone that I'm the publisher of that book. It's kind of started on a, just like a conversation that Elle and I had on a whim, because I knew that she'd had some issues. And well, let's take you back a little bit. First of all, welcome, Elle. Hi, hi. thank you so much. It's great to be here. <laughs> welcome to your show. <laughs> so great to be here. I'm so glad we're finally talking. I know. But, you know, I don't know if people know this, but, you know, you started out basically responding to an ad in which I was looking for a personal assistant. That's right. And so we got to know each other. You became my personal assistant for a while and you still sort of participate in some areas of my life. Uh, and I, I'm appreciative of that for, for sure. But we started talking about your own uh, particular uh, medical history. And uh, that's sort of what drew you, I think, initially to the whole primal blueprint concept. But uh, you went way beyond that in terms of your own exploration. And so why don't you give us, first of all, just um, I don't know how much of the audience really you know, knows about your personal background in terms of health and wellness. And you're not a doctor and you're not a, uh, you know, necessarily a trainer, although I know you've trained a lot of people by now. Go for it. Tell us, tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, uh, so glad we're finally talking about this. I, leading up to meeting you, I was out in L.A. pursuing an acting voiceover slash creative career. And as most people would understand, when you see people on television, everybody looks like they're in the gym every day, right? You know, I mean, there was a expectation of being a lady lady ingenue, which was the category I was in just with the way that I looked that I had to then achieve this. So I went about doing that and I did achieve it. However, I was struggling on a regular basis with food disorders, you know, hypoglycemia. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I was following conventional wisdom. I was following the eat every two, three hours, keep your insulin sensitive paradigm. I was doing low fat, low carb. Um, and it really was a horrible situation because even though I had achieved this level of fitness and I felt good, I was struggling in my mind. And I thought either everyone out there, this is how this is how you must be fit because it's working. So therefore, this is how people must do it. Either they're not talking about the struggles or something's wrong with me. Mm. You know, so I thought like, was everyone lying about their own little personal kind of food disorders and food addictions? And then they were just sucking it up. And this is what you had to do. I didn't know there was another way to be satiated, not be a sugar addict and also achieve the same thing. So what happened was, is with that paradigm went down everything you've mentioned not to do. Chronic cardio was doing that. Um, and again, because you were you were coming at this from basically you needed to look good 
that was the primary That's objective. Right. Got to get the got to get yeah. the roles. So, however that happened, you were willing to to sacrifice and struggle and do the work. That's right. And you know, like a lot of actresses in Hollywood, I thought I was doing it the healthy way versus the bulimia anorexia way. Right. I thought right. that. And it worked for a while. Again, I still struggled with the food addictions, but I thought, well, this is what you have to do. And then my health fell apart. And um, when I look back now, I realize had I adopted the principles in my own book, I would have probably gotten myself out of that situation and prevented myself from getting on thyroid hormone. But when this happened to me about 13 years ago, there was no paleo primal. There was no podcasting even. You know, you couldn't really yeah. find out these answers. So um, the first symptom that I had was I just kept getting my period every couple of weeks. And at age 30, that's concerning for someone that never had any gynecological issues or any history in their family of that. And, you know, the doctor said, I tested your thyroid. It's fine. Keep working out, eat less and move more. And I said, buddy, I'm, I'm working out two hours a day. I mean, like under 1,200 calories. I'm killing it. There's so no when way. you went to see the doctor, you were, you were starting to show weight gain? Not only, what, not only weight gain, bloat, exhaustion, I started to get horrible acne and I had had perfect kind of skin my whole life. I started to get really deep acne and also just getting my period every couple of weeks. So the answer, and again, I didn't, and this is, you know, part of taking responsibility as a patient and stepping up, but I didn't ask the question either of, well, why am I bleeding abnormally? Not how to fix it. So the doctors just kept giving me the birth control pill, putting mm -hmm. a Band-Aid on a symptom, never looking at what caused it. Right. And, you know, I didn't look into it further. I trusted my doctors like we all do. Someone has a Harvard degree. You think they know what they're doing. So he kept putting me on the pills. I kept bleeding through them. I kept getting fatter and I kept getting more symptoms. Next thing you know, I'm misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, when I say that, people go, well, hold on a minute. Do you or you don't have it? Here's how this works. So when you're hypothyroid, you will eventually, for, for too long, if you're undiagnosed or untreated, you will get a disease you otherwise would not have gotten if you weren't hypothyroid and mm -hmm. in that state. And then what happens is you keep getting all of these problems. So then the doctor puts you on Prozac, then they put you on statins, da-da-da-da-da, and no one's ever correcting the initial issue. So for me, I didn't ask that question either, and I just went down this road until... I completely fell apart. Now, if I were a gynecologist at the time, if you were looking at that ultrasound, it absolutely looked like someone with polycystic ovarian syndrome, but what was causing it? Right. So I was undiagnosed for two years. I went to like in, in a decade over about 50 doctors, but in this round about 20 and they either hurt me. They would put me on progesterone, trying to treat some problem over here. They were under treating me with thyroid hormones Whatever it was, they all were failing me and I was running out of money and I was a broke actor and I had, I spent even like 15,000 bucks I didn't even have. And then it took $600 for an appointment with a famous Beverly Hills, you know, hormone doctor from some book I read. Mm -hmm. And, um, cause I didn't know it was thyroid and it took 600 bucks just for the appointment, not even the blood work for them to look at me and go, oh my God, you are severely hypothyroid. So wait a minute. So all the doctors up till now didn't diagnose you with hypothyroid. They said my thyroid was fine because they were using an outdated 1973 test called the TSH test, right. which is absolutely useless on its own. And so it was within range. Mm -hmm. And now the other thing, too, is I had all of this bleeding going on. No one ever thought to check my iron. Mm -hmm. So iron storage fell brutally and I had restless legs. And when you have low iron storage, whether your own thyroid hormone output is optimal or whether you're taking them exogenously, they will not get to where they need to go if you don't have proper iron storage. So I was left in the dust and I was a mess and I kept going to a bunch of doctors. I even had family members scream at me and say, you know, you're going to have to listen to one of these doctors. And I said, no, I'm not, you know, and so I didn't. 
And I actually took my life and my health into my own hands. And I corresponded with fellow patients that had been through this. And I went and got my own thyroid hormones. And I used the doctors and my insurance for blood work, but then wouldn't even care what they had to say about it. And then I dosed myself back to health. When I did that, though, I still didn't, wasn't aware of paleoprimal and the, the, correct, you know, the correct DNA-aligned um, lifestyle we're supposed to live. And so I was doing great. And then about six years later, I ran into another bout, which is a more increasing issue with non-thyroid patients, meaning people that are not on thyroid hormone replacement and people that are on thyroid replacement. And it's called reverse T3 hypothyroidism. And it's on the increase. So then I had a second bout in, in 10 years. And I thought how is this happening to me? And um, I went to a doctor who I kind of thought was cool and had, you know, talked to her since everything had happened. And I thought she knew what was going on. And when I told her what had to happen to fix this, she looked at me and threw up her hands and she goes, oh, this is too complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, and I said, really? So the medical school wasn't complicated and organic chemistry tests on the MCATs weren't complicated, but this is like, you know, so when a doctor tells you that, I mean, I was in my car in the parking lot in the Pacific Palisades bawling my eyes out because I knew that I was left in the dust now a second time with an even rarer, more uh, harder situation to correct that most doctors don't even know how to diagnose or look for. So again, second time in 10 years in the dust, fixed myself again. And then, uh, how did you fix yourself the second time? The second time, um, I had to use T3 only, which is, uh, pretty rare. And it's something that is a last resort option for people that cannot fix, uh, reverse T3 problems by other means like natural protocols. So, I mean, that's a prescriptive medication. So how do you get a hold of T3 if you don't, if you're not working with a doctor? Savvy internet, uh, Googling. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And it's a, um, so don't try this at home. Yeah, don't try it at home. I'm not suggesting anyone else do it. But you know what? A lot of patients have had to do it because of, of what happens to them like this. You go to 20 doctors, no one helps you. And you're like, you know what? Finally, maybe maybe I can help me. And I did. And so what happened was, is though before I met you, I had gotten through my second bout of hypothyroidism. And then I was, again, had gotten really, really fat. I learned about the paleoprimal principles, went down that road, started losing weight. I decreased my T3 in half. And then... Uh, which is a good thing, which is a great thing. And we'll talk about this later, but then now I speak to you right now, four months off of thyroid hormone for the first time in 13 years, which is practically a medical anomaly. Yep. And, um, so we can talk about that later, but, uh, yeah. So then I just, I found all these connections because over the years I would run into thyroid patients all over the world, no matter where I went. And finally, my friend was like, you know, you should probably write a book about this. And I just was like, ah, well, you know, maybe one day. And I didn't really see an angle that was new. Mm -hmm. until I experienced it. And that was going paleo primal. And as you know, the moment you came out with the primal health coach course, I was like, I want in on that right. immediately and jumped to that. And I, you know, I'm still learning and, and going, but, um, the book I wrote was the book I was looking for. Right. You know? Right. You know, that took shape over a period of, uh, about a year. And I remember telling you, uh, because you had asked, would I publish your book? And I said, well, uh, yeah, but um, I, I want a completed manuscript. I want something that that's you know well researched, well written before I commit to it. And you know, to your credit, you spent a lot of time on this book, and you worked with Dr. Forsman, which was huge. I want to you know give him kudos, and we can mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that experience and how you you know how you how you ran into him, how you found out that your that your messages were aligned, uh, and I think he adds a lot to the book, not just well largely from a credibility perspective, because it is written from the perspective of a patient who went through some pretty serious um, hurdles and obstacles and roadblocks to get to the other side, which is, which is health. 
Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Forsman, who's a functional medicine doctor, he's also a primal doctor. I mean, he actually, when I called and connected with him, I found him on the Primal Docs website, which I think has been renamed now to Refined Health. Um, when I called and spoke with his wife, she said, well, it's funny you're calling because we recommend the Primal Blueprint to all of our patients. <laughs> and so I thought, well, this, this might work out. And then when I talked to them about dosing and about you know, I, I vetted him on it. I actually talked to a couple of doctors. And you know what? I talked to a couple of other great doctors that honestly just didn't have the personality. Yeah. And Dr. Forsman also has the personality. So, um, By the way, that's, you know, that's a good place to just kind of um, check in and go, that's, a, that's really important when you're trying to find a physician. It's really important. To find somebody whose beliefs align with yours, uh, which makes it incumbent upon everyone to educate themselves as much as possible about whatever issues they have before they, and the internet allows that certainly, but also just somebody who's, you know, who's, who, who can resonate with you on, on a personality level, you know, yeah. you're going to be working with this person to kind of dig into your past history, your medical history to uh, address issues that, that arise from time to time. And you want somebody, you want a teammate, yeah, not, not some, you know, dictator, uh, dictator. Exactly. Yeah. And also, you know, frankly, aside from, of course, someone who listens and all that, someone who's willing to learn, someone who's actually willing to look at some research you've brought them and say, I may not know this and I'm okay with myself and my ego to admit that as a doctor, I may not know this. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of the problem. Uh, I brought one of your employees to an endocrinologist, had a horrible experience I talked about in the book with this endocrinologist. She didn't even look uh, her in the eye, didn't ask her one question. And uh, it was tough because that patient, um, our fellow employee, walked out of there bawling her eyes out and was so upset about that experience. But for me, it was standard. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's really too bad. So ego is what really stops a lot of these doctors, you know. And the great thing about the Q&A in the back of my book, which is really worth its weight just to buy the book for that even, is you can take it to another doctor and show the opinion of another doctor about other doctors. Mm -hmm. you, you know, Dr. Forsman in the book will explain in detail why it is that doctors are still entrenched in 30, 40-year-old thyroid hormone, you know, dosing protocols. And, and why is that? What's mm -hmm. the reasoning behind it? What are the false studies? It would be just the same as me telling you not to eat a steak because you're going to get a heart attack. Now, yeah. we know that that's not that's an old, you know, fat paradigm from right. forever right. ago. So it's the same thing with thyroid health. It needs to change. And I'm glad I can be partly the messenger on that one. And you've become quite the messenger. You've um, the book is done very well and you, you're doing podcasts all over the place. And um, I want to ask you, uh, so why do you think so many people are, are undiagnosed or misdiagnosed when it comes to hypothyroidism? There's a couple of things. First of all, doctors are still taking the wrong tests. So then a patient is told that their thyroid is fine and they walk out of the office and they might go to even two, three more that will do the same test and tell them that they're fine. So number one, it's really that the wrong tests are being taken from the very beginning. Um, the other thing too is so that would lead to a misdiagnosis. So then for example, let's say you're, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, or I mean, they could be given uh, the, you know, the, the right test, but the wrong interpretation and told that they have a problem when they don't have a problem. My, which happened to you. Which and you know what? Me. I'd love to talk about this because this is really great. So, you know, I guess the best way to transition to this is in case people don't know, I'll give them a, a brief snapshot of how the thyroid works. So, at the base of your brain is the pituitary. And when it senses that your blood is low in thyroid hormones, it will shoot off a signal called the TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. 
Now, that's the test that doctors have been relying on that screws everyone up. That's just a signal. It's not a thyroid hormone. So it sends a signal to thyroid to wake itself up. When the thyroid is working properly, the thyroid will output about 80% of T4, and I'll explain that in a second, and about 20% of T3. And then throughout the day, some of that T4, about 50% of it's going to be converted into T3. So let's talk about T4 and T3 for a second. So the only biologically active thyroid hormone that there is on planet Earth is T3. Why is it so important? Well, getting back to the thyroid is the master gland of the human body. It is in control of the production and regulation of all of your sex hormones, your brain function. It's why often people, when they get hypothyroid, uh, if I were hypothyroid right now, I would be mixing my words like a dyslexic. I wouldn't be able to find the words. My hand brain dexterity would be off, often messy handwriting. I'm extremely coordinated. I would be clumsy. It really, it's, it's not just, oh, I'm depressed because I got fat. It's I'm depressed because there's more T3 receptors in my brain than anywhere else. But on the note of T3, it is, the, it is the most powerful fat burner we have in our body. So if, you care, if you're out there listening to this right now, first of all, everyone listening has a thyroid gland. If it, you don't have one, it was surgically removed and you're on thyroid hormones because if you weren't, you'd be dead. So that's how it works. You cannot live without this. So what kind of life are you going to live if you've got suboptimal thyroid hormone metabolism? You're going to just slowly decline and that's what it feels like. It is a crazy level of accelerated aging. I can tell you that I look better right now sitting across from you, my skin, than I did 13 years ago when I was hypothyroid. You really see it and feel it and not to mention all of the things that are happening. So if you were to Google T3, or lyothyronine sodium, which is the technical term, or Cytomel, which is the brand name, about 500,000 bodybuilding websites come up. Mm. And people are like, well, that's, I remember being like, that's weird. Why are, why, why can't find anything but bodybuilding websites? It's because these guys, before a competition, in order to quickly shed as much fat as they can, they will override their thyroids. They will jam themselves with T3 for about six to eight weeks. Not smart, real dangerous, super dumb, but they do it because that's how important T3 is. So if that's any, how effective it is, how at, effective it is. At, at cutting you up. Extremely. Yeah. And, and on the other note, so often people with hyperthyroidism, meaning over output of T3, dangerous situation can lead to a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Those people are often some, and I'll give a, an example, a non-example of this, but they're often have issues gaining weight. Mm -hmm. They've got bug eyes. They are going to the bathroom all the time. They're sweaty. They're clammy. Their heart rate. I mean, actually, and then that leads to weight issues eventually because of the appetite and the issues with cortisol and blood sugar that. Well, and quite often, um, it's my understanding that that, that a, that hyperthyroidism, the overproduction of it, um, is, is so uh, dangerous in the, in the long term that surgery is often the go-to standard. Well, it shouldn't be the go-to because you actually do want the gland, yeah. but they zap it with yeah, radioactive yeah, iodine. Yeah. And they essentially kill it. They make you hypothyroid yeah, and then you have to go on medication. Exactly. So if they can't control, and usually it's caused by Graves' disease and autoimmune condition. An example of someone who was very fat with Graves' disease who was hyper was Missy Elliott, the rapper. Yeah. She's always had like, or maybe not now, but for the longest time, she was a non-classic example of that body type, but it can also lead to that as well. So now here's here's the whole point though. So- the TSH, so it wakes up. Why do we need this T? Like, what's T4 there for? If yeah. the only biologically active hormone is T3, then why does our body even deal with this T4? It's so elegant, though, when it it's works. It's such an elegant process, yeah. and that's what's so great about it. So 
T4 is this awesome storage, you know, pro hormone, and it's deciding in every part of the day when you do and don't need T3. What it'll convert, like I said, about 50% of it to T3 throughout the day. The rest that's not used gets flushed out through a system called reverse T3, which is the inactive form of a thyroid hormone. Why do we have that process? It's so elegant, like you said, because reverse T3 is an emergency break. It is like your savior. So if something's going on, let's say you get into a car accident and you've got major trauma and inflammation in your body, your, your thyroid is going to immediately go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't want to make him hypermetabolic right now. He's got all this inflammation going on. We're going to shut this down and slow down T3 production. We're going to turn this T4 into reverse T3 to just see what's up until he gets to where he needs to go. The same happens when someone is overtraining for a marathon, under eating, let's say, and they will get a reverse T3 naturally because the primal perspective of the body is this son of a bitch is either starving, can't get food, and or running from danger, possible mm-hmm. saber tooth. We, A, they cannot afford to get pregnant right now because they don't have enough fat on their body mm-hmm. and enough food to support this. That's often why fertility issues and miscarriages and not being able to get pregnant are linked to thyroid problems. And then also that other factor of they're running from danger and until they're out of this danger. We, again, are not going to put them in this hypermetabolic state. And we don't want her to burn more fat right now. She can barely, she's not eating. So yeah. under eating causes. And yeah. I'm sure that that's what caused it for me was the overworking out, not being satiated by the right nutrients, probably not enough calories, but I think it was the quality of the calories that will lead into what we call euthyroid sick syndrome. Essentially, starvation can cause thyroid problems. Mm -hmm. So we have this great elegant system, but getting back to the TSH, so doctors are just testing the signal. And let's talk about you and Brad, because both you and Brad had scenarios where your TSHs were above the mid-range, around 3 or 3.5. And both you and Brad were told separately by people that they were concerned about your thyroid. Mine was was over 4, and... um, and, and you, but you're right. I wasn't concerned. No, you weren't. No, but I, it's so funny because, you know, I go to my doctor and, and again, I should, I, maybe you should pick a better doctor, except that he's been my friend for 20 <laughs> years. And we, we, and we, so we get, we get, we get along great. And I take a lot of what he says, uh, you know, not with a grain of salt, but I know enough to, to have a dialogue with him and to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily follow your advice on that. So, um, you know, but he, he, he did say you should get your thyroid checked again. Uh, in the future. And I was like, I, you know, I don't have any of the symptoms. And the fact that my TSH is a little high, uh, you know, and I like, I go in and I got my blood pressure tested. And because of how I feel about physicians, you know, I'll be, I'll test my blood pressure, be 143 over 105. And then I'll go home and for the next three Don't days, chill. it's, you know, 106 over, over 58 or 64 or something like that. It's crazy. So I don't really, um, I don't, you know, I, I take a lot of these numbers with a grain of salt. But that TSH thing was pretty interesting because, again, to have a physician go, well, you know, we, I don't like that number because it's a little bit out of range and, and yet not even ask about symptomology, about any of the other you know, issues going on. Well, and more importantly, they should have checked your free T4 and free T3. Well, so they checked T4, but they didn't, but they didn't, that test did not check T3. That's right. Which is like the gold standard, which you should be testing. But that is the 99% of uninformed doctors out there that are not testing that. And by the way, for everyone listening, free T3 really is the test that corresponds with how one's feeling. Yeah. It really does. So in your situation, so why would, okay, so a 4.0 or for Brad, he had like 3.5 on a TSH. Why would someone be alarmed by that? A dummy, dumbass doctor would be alarmed by that. And I, I, it really, at this point, it's kind of borderline mal- malpractice at this point that they have not learned this. So here's the thing. At any given part of the day, 
like I told everyone, when your brain senses your body is low in thyroid hormones, it'll send the signal, the TSH. So whatever time you took the test, yeah. it just happened to be sending the signal. It wouldn't have, you could have just worked out, you could have just woke it doesn't matter. Yeah. It fluctuates so much during the day. This and it's by the just way, a snapshot. By the way, who cares if the signal keeps being sent? I don't order a package from Thrive Market and don't get it and keep ordering it. Right. Right? Yeah. I, 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 tracking. Yeah. I just get the package, but yeah. the package is T3, right? Yeah. Or proper thyroid hormone metabolism. So these doctors are looking at the signal. That's not what what's in the blood unbound and available yeah. free T3 like that will really tell you. So most endocrinologists, which are the worst doctors to go to for thyroid health classically, they will only test TSH and T4. Okay, that's fine. But here, now that you know what you know about T3, and I am an example, I lived the past four years without any T4 in my body, okay? So if you were to take a T4 test, it would be 0.0001. If you saw my TSH on that same test, 0.00001, because I was on T3 only, which suppresses all of that stuff. The issue with the T4 is you could give a person all the T4 you want or test their T4. It doesn't matter unless it's converting right. into the thing that matters. Right. And where so these endocrinologists are not even testing to see if the T4 is converting. And this is why patients who've been on Synthroid forever, which is a T4-only medication, or the generic is levothyroxine, you know, they keep going back to the endocrinologist thinking they're crazy. And yeah. the doctor says they're crazy. Doctors yeah. blaming should them. Should be working. Closet eating disorder should yeah. be working. Must yeah. be something else. Must be you. Yeah. And Kara Hahn, one of the success stories in my book, suffered two miscarriages and for 10 years. And then when we look back at all of her blood work, they had never tested her free T3. Yeah. And so she lived miserably in a world thinking she was crazy. When she finally went, and she had Hashimoto's, when she finally went to another doctor they said, so you know you have Hashimoto's, right? And she said, no, I have no idea. So the doctor never even yeah. ruled that out from the beginning. So we do want this elegant system. The ideal is to have a T4, T3 combination that would mimic natural thyroid production in normal humans. Sometimes T4 only works very well for people, but the reason people are sick and undiagnosed is it ultimately does and often fails because it isn't endocrine mimicry anyway. Our bodies don't solely rely on conversion only. Our bodies do give us some direct T3. Mm -hmm. You know, so therefore natural desiccated thyroid or a T4 T3 combination designed to you is really the best option for this. Mm -hmm. um, T3 only, which is what I had to do. You have to, you have to tie to that very carefully though, don't you? T3. You do. Yeah. T3 is real tricky and very careful. Because and that's why the T4. The assumption with the T4 is that if your body does convert, it enzymatically is converted in the That's right. Liver a couple enzymes, the, a bunch of places. Yeah. yeah. Gut. Um, if, if that conversion is happening, it'll happen at the pace the body expects it to happen or that pace the, at the pace the body wants it to happen if everything's working well. That's in a, in a well-functioning T3, T4 system. You have enough T3 right now. You've got T4, which is sort of the, the ore, you know, that out of which you're going you're gonna to get the refined material to actually signal upregulate uh, genes and other things that you need to do that you use T3 uh, for. But, uh, but it still comes down to your uh, ability to convert T4. And so let's talk about um, these instances that you just referenced. Um, is it cortisol? Is cortisol getting, you know, that's the adrenal hormone that's a result of stress. Is it cortisol that's interfering with the, with the conversion of T4 into T3? Bingo. It's, it's so much more than that. And this is what I love to explain about this because when people look at paleo thyroid solution and they might think that paleo or primal is the weight loss part of the book yeah. and that's just that section is compartmentalized. 
it's not a gimmicky thing like, oh, you got fat, you were hypothyroid, here's how you lose the weight. That is part of it. But the other part is that paleo primal is the ultimate in adrenal management and the ultimate in blood glucose management. Those two things are 100% related to thyroid and also sex hormones. Yeah. You know, people get low testosterone when they're overworking out and doing this stuff. Brad had it happen to him. He yeah. chilled out, came right back up to high school levels. So yes, I mean, cortisol is such an well, antagonist not, and- to that and the blood sugar level. So if you're a sugar burner, now you've just even, now you're tapping adrenals when you really don't need to, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you're right. It, it all comes together. It's like whatever you do to control insulin seems to control a lot of other things. It controls the adrenals. It controls uh, thyroid, is, and it's a cascade of if, effect as well. Because if your blood sugar is normal because you've you've learned how to burn fat efficiently, and you're maybe making some ketones once in a while, um, and so you've you've sort of unburdened yourself of the need to take in glucose every couple of hours, then the body gets used to burning fat, accessing fat, burning fat. It doesn't have to rely on. Uh, regular feedings. And then if you skip those regular feedings of glucose, then the brain goes, oh my God, it gets all frantic and says, we got to shoot some cortisol out. We got to make some hormonal quick We have a threat. Changes. We have a threat. Blood sugar's threat. too high or yeah. blood sugar's too low. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Either, so. w- either way, you're going to lose. Yeah. If you're on a sugar, if you're a sugar burner, you, you eventually, the other thing too is look, type two diabetes and thyroid go hand in hand yeah. because if you're hypothyroid and oftentimes you're undiagnosed for a while, it takes you 10 hundred doctors and you get yeah. mistreated it's rare that people hit it out of the park with the doctor right away. I got, those people are really lucky. So what happens is, is in this low metabolic state that you're in, because you've got no fire, no T3, you are a mess, you're falling apart. And the reason us humans are average of 98.6 in the afternoon, I mean, yeah. we have a circadian rhythm with temperatures is because, right, we need a particular temperature for certain enzymatic processes and everything. It's not too hot, not too cold. It really is a Goldilocks situation. And that's why there is an average of what, you know, healthy people with normal thyroids look like. But when you are undiagnosed for that long and you're in that horrible metabolic state, uh, or no metabolic state, you will get insulin resistant, which is what happened to me. And so then what happens? So now you feel great. You might've gotten on thyroid hormone or maybe even like fix the problem naturally, but now you've got all this weight to lose and now you're back in the sugar burning, working out too much, eating, you know, and so now you can be back in that again. I wanted to say one thing about T3 only. Here's why T4 is amazing. It is deciding for you. So I'm a human being. So um, how am I supposed to guess what I need on a cellular level in terms of T3 at any given moment. That's almost impossible. Oh, yeah. Now, sure. there's ways that we can go about, like, with pulse temperature, and there's ways. You can biohack some, some, you some can biohack measurements. It, and you can, yeah. and that can work, but it's not optimal. Yeah. It really is not optimal. The one reason that people take T3 only for a reverse T3 situation that cannot be resolved otherwise is T3 is the only thing that does not convert into reverse T3. Mm. It is the la- It's a savior. It's a savior. So let's talk about what, what is reverse T3 hypothyroidism. So what it is, is reverse T3, like we talked about before. So that's most of the you know, thyroid will pump out about 80% T4, 20% T3 throughout the day, about 50% of that T4 is going to get converted. Whatever's not used gets flushed out through the reverse T3 uh, system. Here, there's so many ways that can affect the conversion. Number one, low selenium. Mm-hmm. You could just have a selenium deficiency that could uh, uh, 
prohibit your T4 from converting. You could have Lyme's disease, heavy metals, candida. There could be lots of other gut issues and things going on that are inhibiting conversion as well. Oftentimes, any kind of state of inflammation. So yeah, if you had type 2 diabetes, that's inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you had high homocysteine or anything else, you could have gone into, like I said, a bad accident or even gone through a very stressful divorce. Mm -hmm. Anything like stress could even put someone into a reverse T3 situation. So what it is, is if you're on thyroid hormone, and you're taking, and usually people are taking something with T4 in it, it's not converting and you will be hypothyroid even though your labs may look normal. And that's why we do a ratio between the reverse T3 and the free T3. We don't just look at free T3 there because a lot of people go, well, your thyroid looks fine to me and levels look great. But mm -hmm. it's really then what's the reverse T3 result and that ratio. And, and 20 or higher is usually considered healthy, sometimes 15 and higher for a ratio. But that's kind of what you have to do to assess whether or not you have one. Now, for someone not on thyroid hormone, that could be like the overworking out person or the person that's stressed out and going through the divorce and not getting sleep and their cortisol's all over the place. Mm -hmm. They can get it too. So in their situation, even though they're not taking the thyroid hormones, their own T4 is not converting. Mm -hmm. And so then again, they will feel hypothyroid and that's kind of a, for either case, it's rough because now even more doctors don't even know about reverse T3 or how to test it, and it's on the rise. So does, does reverse T3 occupy a thyroid receptor site? I guess the way to best describe it to people, it's almost like if you have a reverse T3 problem, it's like the cells are being blocked. That's what I'm saying. So, so right. does reverse T3 op occupy a site that otherwise T3 would occupy and therefore block Essentially, you the, can the positive effects. You can absolutely look at it that way, yeah. and you know what then happens is it's almost like the T three that either you're taking or or that's naturally being given to you because you have normal thyroid output yeah. is kind of like just swimming around in a pool in your looking blood. for a place that, to land. Looking for a place to land. That's yeah. right. So yeah. you, we look at it like as if it's a block, and in order to kind of clear those receptors, that's how yeah. we we do speak of it that way. It takes about eight to 11 weeks to right. really clear that when you go on T3 only. You've got to wait for all the T4 to get out of your body, and then kind of the receptors start to clear, and then it can actually start to work, and then you move forward. Now, once you've done that, it really is optimal to always shoot for going back on a T4, T3 combination because reverse T3 is our body's emergency break. It's really important. Like, for example, if you got the flu tomorrow, your body's going to naturally just downregulate and it's going to, like, not give you as much T3 as it would have the day before mm -hmm. because you're inflamed now, you're sick, you've got a temperature, it's not going to want to do anything to raise your temperature higher. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so these are decisions. I mean, how do I know, like, if I'm on T3 only and I get the flu, like, how the hell do I know what to adjust that by, yeah. right? And there are too many fluctuations, T3. Well, that's like, it's almost like insulin. Yeah. For a diabetic, it's like, okay, at some point... You, How many problems come in there? Yeah. You, 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 you know, you have to guess based on measuring your blood glucose from time to time. And, you, you know, you, over time, you, you figure out um, the best time of day, the, the amounts to take, things like that. But I would suspect that uh, if you are someone who doesn't convert T4 like you and you're just dependent on T3, there is that, there's that um, range that you have to sort of learn to, to, to play around with because you could probably abuse T3 pretty easily. You can overshoot it and undershoot yeah. it at any yeah. given time. And so, you know, that's why it is. Is really, that why doctors don't like to prescribe just T3? Actually, they misunderstand it. They don't, they're scared of it. Mm -hmm. And also here's the problem with it. So T3 peaks and dissipates within four hours. It doesn't really have a long life. So if you are dependent on it, and mm -hmm. then you get into a car accident and you're in a coma, people better know you're on T3 because you really shouldn't be going out without it for that long. Mm -hmm. That's when a doctor might be 
nervous about it. Most doctors actually will prescribe slow-release T3. They feel much better about that for the patient. But in general, if someone knows what we're talking about right now as a doctor and they're very informed, they would want you to have the T4, T3 conversion for the reasons we're talking about because it is... Still the optimal. It's so the optimal. What an elegant system. And you want it to work right for you. Now, the good news is you can, if you had a reverse T3 problem, for some reason, couldn't correct it nationally. There are so many ways to try that first. Last resort would be T3 only. It's something that is just temporary. You know, you're you're on a temporary till you clean up all of the junk and the primordial soup. That's the base. And then you can correct the underlying problems of reverse T3 and then attempt to go back on a T4, T3 containing. All right, but back to you. So you, yeah. but the T4 didn't work for you. And so it you, backfired eventually. You, you thought, you thought that you were going to, as recently as a year ago, even after the book came out or the mm-hmm. book had been written, you thought you were going to be on T3 for the rest of your life. And you were okay with that. I was okay with that. I though started to realize and see that it was a big pain in the ass, which it is. It really is. And also you can barely get in anywhere in the world. So it's tough to travel places for it. And frankly, because of the elegant process and because of the misgages that can happen with this, I really had planned on going back on natural desiccated thyroid, like nature thyroid. Mm-hmm. And that was really the intention kind of towards the end here. And then I accidentally just got off of T3 as I was thinking about transitioning to natural thyroid. It was a total accident. It was not an intention, but it was a goal. Well, how does that happen? Sorry. How does that happen? It was really interesting. Well, you know what? I got to be honest with you. It happened with, um, so what happened was, is I was on T3 only for four years and sort of in the past year or so, I noticed, and this is probably a result of cleaning up even more things. I had seen Dr. Forsman and let him be my doctor. He found some things I needed to clean up. I had high homocysteine. I had some excess fibrinogen in my body, um, which made sense. I had fibrocystic breasts. I don't really anymore. And there were other things that, again, you know, sometimes a diet and a lifestyle is not going to fix years of being in some awful hypostate that causes problems that a diet's not going to reverse. So he looked at all of those. And as I was treating all of those, I started to notice that I felt hyperthyroid. One of the ways hyper meaning yep. too much on too much yep. medication. Yep. One of the because you're 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 kind of a hyper chick to begin with. But you know what though, <laughs> I'm off thyroid hormone right yeah. now. Am I talking any slower no. than I did when I was on <laughs> no, T3? No, 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 no. And that's the thing. Yeah. You know, I even had a doctor tell me she goes, "I think you're overstimulated right now." And yeah. I go, "Well, then you don't know me because <laughs> I've been this yeah, way yeah. forever." So. Yeah. Um, but and, and that's what people think. Actually, hyperthyroidism is actually not a state of babbling, talking, and like cocaine where you're ah! like, yeah. you know, it's not that actually. It's um it's quite a detached feeling. Yeah. Uh it feels almost like you can't deal with anyone and you're in your own mind. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. But it does make you a little shaky. But the reason I started know is because I wear a continuous heart rate monitor on my wrist and my resting pulse started to get too high, which is a mm-hmm. kind of an indicator. My temps were high, and I thought all right. And so I reduced my dose a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then I'd get to a new set point. And again, I started to feel bloated because excess T3 can do that too. I started to feel bloated and I thought, what's happening? So then I, I didn't know what was going on. So I thought, well, you know what? I guess I had been pre-diabetic. And even though I fixed my diet, I thought maybe I got to go super keto. Maybe I just got to go super low carb. And I'm like a Timothy Noakes and I'm now I got to eat 20 carbs a day. Maybe that's what happened to me. And okay. So I started to really look at things again and I started to go super, you know, low carb keto, although couldn't really, can't really get into keto when you're hypothyroid or hyperthyroid. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Why but not? I don't know why. It's just one of those things where no matter how hard you try it, I wonder if it's because... Is it appetite? Does appetite just... It could be both. Because let me, hyper, how you know keto is working is when you're not hungry. 
Right. You know, when you really become efficient at, at burning fat and you're, um, so your muscles are used to burning fat all the time, even at pretty high levels of output. Um, and your body, your liver is producing enough ketones that your brain is functioning really well and ketones doesn't need that much glucose. And as a result of all this stuff, your, your appetite mitigates so significantly. It's almost scary. I have a friend, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we know within the community, Todd White, who, uh, is the, one of the owners of dry farm wines, oh. you know, he, he kind of jokes, he says, uh, yeah, but he's been keto for like oh, he's super keto, yeah. four or five years. He's one meal a day. And I go, well, geez, that's interesting. You know, I, I like to eat, even when I'm keto, I like to eat two meals a day. But okay, tell me more about that. He said, well, I have to eat one meal a day. And, and, but he says, but I have to be really mindful of what I eat. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that means you have to like be careful you don't overeat. He goes, no, I have to be careful that I eat enough. That's right. Because I'm only eating one meal a day and, and hunger has, has no longer become an issue in my life. It doesn't drive my every thought from lunch to dinner and, and then to the next day. So back to hyperthyroidism and, and an excess amount of T3, which is going to be a hunger driver. So now you've got, mm-hmm. you've got hyperthyroidism trying to go keto. Keto is a mitigator of hunger, but now you've got these opposing forces, one of which is... It might even suppress your appetite, but the excess T3 will over-exhaust adrenals. Yeah. That will lead to blood glucose issues with the cortisol. Oh, See there what I'm you saying? go. So that's where I'm, that's gluconeogenesis where I'm and... Um, yeah. And then if you're super hypo, right? Yeah. You're so metabolically inefficient. I mean, you eat a grape, you gain weight. You could start yeah. yourself for a week and you'll get fat. It's yeah. the most frustrating thing in the world. You have no control. So even in that case, it's like you can't even really get in the state. I don't even know how to explain that one yeah. as much. Um, but anyway, so we're talking about you and keto. Right. So I, I started to go, I was like, all right, maybe I need to do a super keto. I can't imagine that I'm getting bloated. I work out, you know, I'm doing the same thing. Um and then as I went down on that train, every other week, it seemed like I had to keep reducing my medication. Now, at this time, I thought, well, all right, um, there's a reason for this, because when you're ketogenic, you are more efficient at using T3. You become T3 efficient, kind of like calorically efficient when you go down the road of fat burning. Totally. I mean, the, the, the other part of keto that people don't realize, this is going to get us off on a little bit of a tangent, but I think we should touch on it. No, we should um, you know, people in America in particular, but in the world in general, um, tend to live their lives like gluttons. It's basically, what's the most amount of food I can eat and not get fat? That used to be me. You know, what's the most amount? I don't want to cut back on anything. So how much of a glutton can I be? Can I have an extra dessert and not get fat or not? So that's, it's been a horrendously bizarre mindset. Now, Going along with that mindset has all has been this bodybuilder and fitness mantra for the last 40 years, which is, oh, I got to raise my metabolism. I have to be an efficient, I mean, an, an inefficient uh, user of calories because the more calories I burn, the more calories I can eat. And it, and it goes down this rat hole of, again, gluttony of how, what's, What's the most amount of calories I can consume? What's the, you know, how can I become so inefficient in eating? Um, whether it's, you know, having food move through me so quickly that I don't even digest it or that I can eat some and throw it up. I mean, there's so many different variations of this, <laughs> you know, become bulimic, uh, become exercise bulimic. Um, again, it cracks me up the number of people that I meet and I, they, they go, oh, Mark, you used to be a marathoner. I'm a marathoner now. I go, oh, really? Why? And invariably, they say, well, because I love to eat. Wait a minute. You're a marathoner because you love to eat? You would put yourself through that amount of, of pain and suffering and sweating and struggling just so you can have a couple of extra bites of something you probably shouldn't have in the first place? 
That is so perverted, man. Yeah. And and yet we we live our lives with, or at least historically, we've lived our lives in the last couple of decades thinking the furnace will burn anything. So if I build a big furnace, then I can eat whatever I want and life's going to be great and I can be a glutton. And then you get type 2 diabetes. Well, ah, that's yep. the best that happens. I mean, you know, that's if you don't get fat. I mean, but even or, if you don't or, get no, fat. Reverse, but the reverse of that, you're right, is, is I'm going to say that, yeah. Because you're um, still tapping the pancreas, right? So even though you think no, you can the best, deal with actually, it, the best can happen is you get fat because as long as you keep getting fat, you probably won't get type two diabetes. It's really when protective. when the when the fat cells stop accepting more glucose that you're hosed. That's when the blood sugar levels rise, and that's when the glycation occurs, and that's when all all hell breaks loose, right? So I just want to, but I want to take it back to this whole keto thing about becoming an efficient user of fuel. That's right, and and. The idea that we could become um, is that as long as like like my thought experiment is this: what's the least amount of food I can eat I'm and not and not you know lose weight? In fact, still build muscle, not get sick, have all the energy I want, and most importantly, not be hungry because hunger fucks everything. Excuse me, hunger. Excuse no. Well, Mark, it throw, explicit. It fucks throws, up everything. Yeah, it throws everything off. Hunger throws everything off. Here, it ruins the best strategies that people have. So as long as I can say, what's the, like the minimum effective dose of food, what's the least amount of food I can eat at a meal and still accomplish the task of every bite must taste great. Uh, you know, I want to, I want to feel at the end of the meal, like I'm no longer hungry, not that I'm full, but that I'm no longer hungry. Um, I want the, uh, awareness that if I do get hungry, there's plenty of food in the refrigerator, in the pantry at the, down at the corner store. So it's not a, it's not an issue of um, my brain is wired because I have to keep eating whenever I come across a stash of food because I'm, I might not eat for five days. That, those days are long gone. But it's, it comes back to our how do we become more metabolically efficient? And, and that comes back to the thyroid. And I want to chime in and highlight the whole, the whole thing about, um, you know, because when you say, what's the minimum amount I can eat and get away with, right? Yeah. Versus the other. Now, this is something I discuss in my book because when you are a food addict and you're obsessed with food and you're likely a sugar burner and you're hypoglycemic too, probably, when someone says that, you go, I, I, I want to eat more food than I'm eating now. Like, I can't even imagine. I don't even want to hear about that. Yeah. You know, you paleo primal people talking about how great this is that you can, because that, that's what happens. And the reason is, as you know, is because you are satiated when you become a fat burner, that goes away. And then you literally over time, I mean, the amount of food I used to eat yep. versus what I'm even able to, my eyes used to be so much bigger. Now it's like, I can't even eat a whole eight ounce steak. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And I used to put away like probably 32 ounce. I mean, really I would overeat the protein. Um, so I just feel like once you experience and you get fat adapted and those and as you know, all of your success stories every Friday on Mark's Daily Apple, yes, it's I reversed my disease or I lost 100 pounds, but the biggest thoroughfare and thorough line through everything is I am no longer addicted and thinking about food all the time, I'm not obsessed anymore. When you get to that space, then it's fun to have this new paradigm you're talking about. But when you're obsessed with food, you can't, you can't even, even imagine, imagine being it. there. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine being there. And you yeah. go, I don't want to hear that because I can't even think about it. But yeah. what I would just say is you made yourself a sugar-burning hypoglycemic, and there's only one way out, yeah. and there's a way out, you know? Yeah. So going back to thyroid... As I was getting keto and I was reducing overall calories, I was looking at everything, yeah. you know, and um, as I started to, to reduce and go down this road, well, you reduce, you reduce calories, but you weren't suffering in terms of energy or not at all. In fact, I was 
I was making sure that I, I was, my appetite was so suppressed. Like we talked about, yeah. I was making sure I was you were mindful that you were eating enough, even though your appetite was suppressed. That's right. But your, but your, but your energy levels did not get effect negatively impacted. You were, you Amazing. didn't get sick and none of those no, things. I was already yeah. pretty clean anyway yeah. and yeah. like somewhat fat adapted. I'm sure the thyroid stuff that was going yeah. on screwed things up, but I, I felt pretty good, but then it was even better. Yeah. And then I believe that's why I was able to really get off the thyroid hormones. So being on T3 only, you have to remember going back, I have no TSH pretty much and no T4. So I'm missing two things that are part of that whole feedback loop that happens. And I only have T3. So as I'm reducing the dose, right, because I'm getting so efficient and I don't Mm -hmm. need as much T3, Mm -hmm. I believe that's when... TSA starts to go up. Brain kicked in and was yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And yeah. and then there was a little bit of a fight, right? Because there was a little bit of an area where I was hyper again there. I didn't yeah. know what to do here. I was like, uh, do I? what's going on? So I just kept reducing. I finally got down. And by the way, my average dose was probably between, you know, maybe 35 and 50 micrograms at any given time in life. Sometimes you need more in the winter, a little less in summer. You yeah. know, there are fluctuations. But then I got down to literally five micrograms, which is impossible. I mean, it's, it's like... Much blows, it blows away before you can even swallow it. It pretty much is a joke. It's like a crumb. Yeah. If you look at it, yeah. what it is, yeah. it's like a crumb. Yeah. And, um, I, I, and I wasn't having any hypothyroidy, weird mental energy things going on. Yeah. And so I called Dr. Forsman and I said, listen, I've got this bottle of nature right here. And I'm, but I have this gut feeling. Is this even possible? Because we didn't think it was possible after 13 years of my thyroid being in a coma. And um, he goes, you know what? Follow your gut. Go get tested. And when I got tested, my TSH and free T4 were exactly what yours would look like or anyone else. Now, when I first got tested, the day after I stopped T3, I still had a little bit of a reverse T3 problem. And so at that point, I made some extra decisions on really chilling out with some exercise just to give it its best chance. I increased my dose of selenium per Dr. Forsman. We went to 600 micrograms a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we looked at one more thing, which was, all right, well, what else contributes to mitochondrial fuckery? That would be heavy metals. We never did a heavy metals test. I took it, very high mercury. So Why do you think that is? The high mercury? Yeah. I've eaten a lifetime of sushi and a, probably a bunch of crappy tuna, mm. for real. Probably yeah. just so much bad fish. And also... Again, being in these various states, whether it was like hypo here or reverse T3, I'm sure there was probably not a great detox function happening during that time. And things yeah. probably did build up and get stagnant if things aren't working the way they should. So, you know, I actually just am in the second month of doing a natural collation process and I got my silver filling removed and I'll go get some new thyroid tests soon. I gather, though, that I'm not afraid of going back on thyroid hormone, but I can tell you right now, based on instinct and gut, that if I do, I believe it will be three to five micrograms of T3 and that's all it'll be. And maybe once in a while, maybe, you know, maybe a cycle on cycle off kind of thing. That's right. If you've got everything else working normally, maybe it would just be, or also different times of the month. For example, your temperature naturally increases the second half after ovulation and through other times so far, so good. I mean, my pulse and everything that I'm looking at, I have no symptoms whatsoever other than there was still some metabolism, you know, weird stuff transitioning happening. But um, I feel like this is, it proves everything I wrote in my book. I wasn't expecting to do that. No, what's interesting is you wrote the book at, during this process, and you you know you hadn't gotten to this to this point where you're That's off right. T three yet, and yet by incorporating everything that you know you'd already been doing, I mean it was it was just a matter of continuing to do uh, to go along that primal paleo path exactly. Right? And and in cleaning up all those underlying things that could be messing with conversion anyway. Right, so right. we looked at the one last one. 
Now, you'll probably understand this, and it might be a little bit of an advanced kind of discussion on it. And again, there's no tests, you know, to no studies to prove this, but I believe it was an easier seamless transition because I had no TSH and T4 and it kicked right back in versus having been on a T4, T3 combo, trying to wean off yeah. and then waiting. That person, even though it could work, it could take up to three months to a, for a thyroid to recalibrate, but you would go through some hypo nightmares there. There would be some, some hypothyroidism going on in that scenario. And mm-hmm. the person then might think, oh, it's not working mm-hmm. and give up mm-hmm. where you know, does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, no, there's so much of this is subjective. It's like how you're feeling. And like you say, the, you know, your thought process, your energy levels, whether you're not, you're retaining water bloating or, you know, whatever these different things are. And sometimes, um, it's difficult to, to isolate the variables and see which is, which is which, like if you were to, if you were trying to self, you know, diagnose a, a hypothyroid problem now and go straight to keto, you might have some serious issues, right? Um, you, you know, that's, that's something that I would probably caution. I I'd definitely caution anybody. You know, if you're, if you've got medical issues, don't do it. Don't, don't do keto until you've, until you've uh, thoroughly addressed these issues. I tell everyone, get fat adapted first, go down that road, clean it up. It's going to be an easier transition. So the book we have, the book I have coming out in October is called the, uh, um, the keto reset diet, and it's about resetting your metabolism. So it's not about living your life, the That's rest right. of your life on keto. It's about using uh, a ketogenic diet for a period of time to reset your metabolism. But in order to get there, we do a, we have a 21 day fat metabolism um, preamble, if you will, a prologue sure. to it that you have to you have to kind of do that and then graduate and earn your right to go keto for a while. I agree with that. You've got to really earn your right because also you're going to suffer. What would make it easier for yourself to even get into that state? If you go right from a terrible diet and sedentary into keto, it's yeah. not going to be fun. It's yeah. going to actually, you're going to not think it's working and you will give up. Yeah. Um, so the other thing too, there's a big controversy in our community and elsewhere. And I get this all the time and I want to talk about it. And maybe this will be the ending discussion we'll have, but so many people say low carb is bad for thyroid. Low carb causes hypothyroidism. Yeah, they say it causes it, right? It causes it. I've had people even email me and go, oh, but I make sure I'm getting enough glucose so that I can produce T3. And I'm like, I don't even know what, what that means. That means <laughs> That's yeah. not even a thing. That's not a thing. Not a thing. Yeah. Um, so I want to just look at all these variables because they are really important and people are misinformed. And there are fellow colleagues of ours that are also perpetuating this and people really need to look at it. So let's say there's a couple of studies three, four people, there's like really not any traditional studies on this, where let's say they go keto or low carb and their thyroid levels go down. Now we just talked about T3 efficiency, right? So it could be that. So I would ask the question, yes, their thyroid levels may have dropped. Are they hypothyroid? How do you you feel? How do you feel? Yeah. Right. Also, here's the thing. Let's talk about people who are going to jump into something like keto or low carb or a primal paleo paradigm. A lot of people might be coming from a disastrous health situation where they're already hypothyroid. They're gaining weight. They don't know why. The doctor told them their thyroid's fine. So they're like, shit, I guess I got to go keto to burn this fat. And then you can see how that would make a situation worse. So we don't know. To claim that keto or low carb causes thyroid problems is insane because we would not be here today because procreation and civilization would not have happened. People would not have brought... Babies to full-term pregnancies. Yeah. People would have had, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. And our ancestors lived off such a low-carb life. So Well, not just a low-carb life. They went days without eating sometimes. How do you probably you know, a week? Yeah. You know, imagine somebody in t- today's society who isn't fat and keto adapted, you know, a sugar burner, trying to go a week without eating. Uh first 12 hours could be the worst 12 yeah. hours of their life. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, so, so unless you know the complete profile of yeah. a person who's gone into keto and then had a thyroid problem, I'm not buying it. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? There's too many variables and why you would even go into that. Yeah. You know, maybe they were metabolically off anyway. And now the one thing that comes to mind is Tony Federico, we had a couple podcasts about this. I know he won't mind me talking about it because we did before, but when I looked at his labs, he has no thyroid gland. And so he's got a suppressed TSH, his T4 is normal. And he's got a T3 though, that's a little bit below the mid range. And he seems to be fine there. And then in later on thinking about it, I thought maybe he's fine there because he's so damn primal paleo. No, he's efficient. so fine-tuned. He's, he's so, so fine-tuned. fine-tuned. So, uh, so a 2.9 for him is okay. We're for no, normal no, that's, human, ex- it would be. that's exactly right. Is, um, it, and it goes back to that, that point, like, a uh, number of people have come up to me and said, well, my doctor says I have low thyroid. I go, well, what does that mean? Well, you know, they, I, I, how do you feel? Well, I feel great. You know, are you cold? Nope, not cold. Are you losing hair? Nope, not losing hair. Are you gaining weight? Nope, not gaining weight. Well, then what's the problem? Here's what I will tell those people. In many cases, it's, and again, the lower thyroid you can get away with, the better off you are in life. If you can get away, and then, again, if you have energy, if, you have, if, you're, if you're not cold, if you don't have any of the symptoms, then the lower thyroid you're producing, the lower your metabolism, the more efficient you are, the longer you'll live. Because throughout, you know, all the animal kingdom, those, those uh, animals that have the lowest thyroid uh, hormone production probably live the longest. They're, they're not, you know, same humming, with insulin, right? Same with insulin, right? You're not revving at some high RPMs all the time. Um, and, and think that, about it as someone who's eating like a bunch of carbs and a bunch of junk. Oh my gosh. Like you need T3 to burn that, right? right. Your body's going to have to kind of give you more an output. Right. And then here they are trying to figure out the thermic effect of food. Like, okay, if I eat uh, 6,000 calories today, I'll, I'll, bur- I'll use a thousand calories just burning off digesting the food that I ate, which is such a waste in terms of evolutionary models. Yeah. Right. And yet that's how, again, that people think in, in those sort of gluttonous terms. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I think that the, and then, uh, with regard to Tony, I don't know, I'm just speculating. Um, you know, what we're talking about here are we're talking about a, a transmitter and a receptor, a signaling system and a receptive site. So the T3 is the signal. There is, it has to, it has to have a receptor to, to transmit the energy. I mean, the information to it's basically information. And so if, uh, if you have, you know, a lot of receptor sites and they're very, uh, and they're very um, receptive to the message, then it doesn't take that much signaling to get the message, right? So it may be, it may be. A, and what you're a, doing a, with your diet and lifestyle is also going right. to be sending those messages back there as and well. F- fine tuning that as well. So I, I yeah, I, I could make a case for, you know, if you, if you really eat a truly ancestrally, um, you know, templated lifestyle, um, which includes how you the foods you choose to eat and how much sleep you're getting and and your uh, stress reduction techniques and how much you play that uh, that you'll fine tune yourself to the point that all these systems are working optimally and therefore none of them need to be screaming at each other to fix stuff. Right, and again, we see what happens when you overtax an organ, right? Like the pancreas, or you overtax the adrenals, or you. You know, and adrenal fatigue goes hand in hand with hypothyroidism for, for, for a big reason, right? You've got no energy, no T3, no fire. So now your body's like, we need to wake her up and get her out of bed, right? Yeah. So it overproduces the cortisol. Now you're fat around your middle and you're just bloated mess and, you know, then you can't think and you can't, it takes you three hours to, to you know, yeah, turn no, on your phone. And so much of that can be corrected with just lifestyle interventions. So much of it. I mean, the first order of business, and you can see a change in Hashimoto's and someone's uh, whole entire 
thyroid blood output in six weeks. Yeah. I've seen it in six weeks. Even with one, someone we know had Hashimoto's antibodies up to 600. And then we talked to her mom and they got on the paleo primal thing and part of lifestyle. And I think it went down to 200. Right. I mean, in fact, I go one better and say that unless you are, unless you are attacking this from a dietary perspective first, then you're not going to get success with the medications. And that's right. Yeah. You won't because it won't matter how much somebody gives you thyroid hormone. Yeah. If you don't have the baseline yeah. to accept it, to meta- not only just get it to where it needs to going, but then to be meta- just the whole output and metabolism of thyroid hormones has everything to do with this. So for everyone listening, whether you're on medication or you're not, you want to know how this all works and you want to optimize it for the reasons you just mentioned. And also, if you care that much about fat burning and retaining muscle and all the stuff that we talk about with paleoprimal, you're going to want to go down this road regardless. It's, it's really, I mean, the, I, the irony here is, it, is that- every, It really is the primal blueprint is what it, it is. <laughs> it, it's the primal blueprint. And, and yeah. everything everyone says they want is available here. Yeah. It's like there's nothing, you don't have to Pick and choose. Well, you know, I don't really want to have more muscle. No, you do. Uh, I don't really want to have, you know, more. Yeah, you do want to have more energy. You know, I don't really want to look. All the things that you say you want are available if you can get your diet and other lifestyle factors in alignment with what your body expects. Absolutely. And the tinkering and the other hacking involved with like, for example, for me, I used to just love doing endurance stuff. I could go on a three or four hour hike. I love it, but I would see no results, like yeah. literally no results. And then I looked at my genetic testing and then I'm looking at my family who are all like crazy athletes. And I was like, I'm a fast twitch muscle person. So I started sprinting. I don't like running. I don't yeah. like sprinting. I really don't. Um, I've gotten to enjoy the after effects of it, Yeah, but that's something that I had to stop. I'm doing that now. Got to get you out playing frisbee. Yeah, exactly. So I never was into that stuff, but then I had to go, what does my body want and what does it respond to? And it responds so much better to that than it yeah. would a two-hour hike. Yeah. So I think looking at all of those factors, um, all the food stuff, I didn't think I had an issue with eggs. I'm not allergic to it, but there was a genetic factor in there. I did a test and I tell you what, I got an issue. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to be able to have a quiche or something with eggs in it, but right. it's just to say that not on a daily basis. You do the experimenting and you, yeah. you know, but you've got to experiment and that's right. the only way to find out. So right. cool. Well, the book is the paleothyroid solution. It's available uh, on Amazon, of course, and at uh, Barnes and Noble and books a million and fine bookstores everywhere. You can get it directly off of uh, primalblueprint.com. Um, anything else you want to add to our conversation today, Elle? Well, you know, I've said it before on other podcasts, but I just want to let everyone know, um, because when you're in the scenario and you've seen a hundred doctors, you start to lose hope that there's a thing. And even Oprah was told by her own doctor, you're always going to have weight problems because you have a thyroid issue. That's horrific. Do not believe it. It is not true. Don't listen to anyone that says you're going to suffer from X because you have this. You're either not being treated right. You're not with the right doctor. You're not on the right combo of hormones. And they're just chopping right. it up and, and popping and, out. And even if it doesn't uh, result in a cure, there's always something you can do to make it better. Well, and here's the thing. When you're on the right optimal dose of thyroid hormones, you are cured. You are no longer in a hypothyroid state. So however you get there, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. So technically it is kind of curable to some degree. Right. And uh, the most steady being obviously being on a T4, T3 combo. I wanted to say one more thing, and it's in my book. For, for those people out there that might be on T4 only, it is best to go on the brand name Synthroid. There has been some issues in some clinical experience with some doctors I've spoken to where levothyroxine generic has screwed up some liver results and thyroid stuff's out of whack. So if you are taking T4 only and you think you're having an issue, the first order of business might be to switch to the brand name. Cool. 
Well, L. Rust, um, author of The Paleothyroid Solution, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for listening. Mark Sisson signing off from Malibu. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here. And I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching, but have been held back by worries, such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.